happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to It Could Happen Here. I'm Robert Evans, and this is a podcast about things falling apart uh, and nowhere uh, I don't know, showcases collapse quite as well as the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, and that's my little introduction. Now I'm going to pivot over to James Stout. James, what are we talking about today? Well, today we are talking about yeah the U.S.-Mexico border, specifically in the great state of Texas, uh, which, which people might remember from its winter power grid failures, its upcoming summer power grid failures, and Greg Abbott's sort of hilarious and also very cruel and, and terrible antics on the border. And we're joined today by one guest who, or two guests we've had before to talk about the border on the podcast. Uh, we've got Jen Budd, a former senior border patrol agent and author and an activist, and Mariana Trevino Wright, who people remember as the, the butterfly lady, uh, the previous owner of, of an M4 assault rifle, uh, the lady who made the cop walk <laughs> off her uh, butterfly sanctuary once, and hero occasionally of Twitter.com. <laughs> Uh, how are you guys? We're good. We're good. Good Great. to see yeah. you guys. That yeah. is nice to hear because we are, this is normally the time of year where Texas is rough uh, climactically. In this particular year, it's it's downright apocalyptic down there. Yeah, we just don't yeah. go outside. You're likely to vaporize <laughs> spontaneously. <laughs> yeah, it looks bad. Yeah. And um, so... What I've, I've gathered us here today to discuss is the upcoming implementation of a uh, a, f a floating border wall, a, a, a barrier which is going to make children drown. I, 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 I don't really know how to describe it. Perhaps one of you could sort of describe this proposed... Uh, it's Greg Abbott's talking about it, but, but it, it's, it's clearly like a, not just a state thing. Um, so perhaps we could start out by explaining exactly what he's been talking about, what this design looks like. So the floating border wall, I confess in the beginning, I was kind of like, I don't get it because I'm yeah. thinking a wall, you know, going extending upwards. But yeah. essentially what it is are these giant buoys, plastic buoys that are very tightly woven together so that it, you can't go in between them. And then the buoys also spin. So if you grab onto them, you're going to just spin down. And then underneath the buoys, 
is uh, four feet of netting. So if you try and swim underneath it, you will be captured in the netting and then you will likely drown. Um, it's originally, I think the original design for the makers was to uh, prevent uh, groups like Greenpeace and so forth from getting to oil, uh, uh, what do you call them, oil stands out in the middle yeah. of the ocean and keep their bo boats from getting to them. So now they're going to use them and string them because the border technically, most Americans I don't think know this, the border technically along a lot of parts of the Rio Grande in Texas is in the middle of the river, depending on where the river's flowing that year. And so they will have to also be weighted down as well. And the hope for the governor is that most of the people will drown trying to get over to the U.S. side, which means their bodies will remain in Mexico and uh, then we won't have to deal with them. Jesus. Easy peasy. Yeah, that is a particularly dark consideration they hadn't thought of. Um, our border is already um if people aren't familiar with decolonial atlas they have some good visualizations but you can see where migrants die and they have one i think it's called where migrants die and uh there are various sort of colors for different uh, people dying from exposure people dying from dehydration drowning and overwhelmingly people don't die on the way here they die within a few miles of our southern border normally on the northern side so like this, our border is already and Jen has covered this extensively, um, how our border is already killing people. Uh, but mm. this is, I think, particularly cruel. Is it something that, like, Abbott started talking about it maybe a, a month or so ago, maybe two months ago now. Um, is it something that he's doing sort of of his own, uh, like, like the Arizona sort of container wall? Or is it something that he's proposing as a sort of federal operation? What's going well on with... I think he originally probably got the idea because in the Trump administration, they had promoted this. And so I believe that the former chief under Trump, Rodney Scott, was probably they were probably researching it. Him and CBP were researching how to do this um, because it would take quite a few, quite at least quite a few months, if not years, to research this and make something like this happen. Yeah. Um, but I think that they abandoned that because they knew that that's just not going to fly federally. Um, but although, why wouldn't it? I mean, all deterrence policies are based on this kind of cruelty. So I guess visually they thought it would be too much. But um, since since Rodney Scott is no longer the chief of the Border Patrol, and he uh, resigned. He's been working with uh, the state of Texas and specifically with Governor Greg Abbott to develop new policies and, and so forth. And he's been down there helping the union and helping other ex-Border Patrol agents come up with new policies and new cruelties for um, Greg Abbott to, to install. So I think originally the idea was a federal idea, and now it's come down to uh, the state of Texas. Okay. So I guess what how far along is the state of Texas in like I know before Trump built his border wall we had these little 30 foot prototypes in San Diego and he gave a lot of contracts to people who had given him a lot of money in his election campaign uh what's it Wheatland Tube I think is the big one and it makes steel but how far is the state of Texas along in in its plan to create a floating murder barrier the buoy barrier border mm -hmm. barrier is already created and it's available in various links. And I, I should add, in addition to the buoys, in between the buoys are spinning 
radial blades. So you, yeah, it, it just, I mean, every aspect what? of this. I, how can I miss that? Is a bloody yeah. nightmare. Yeah. I went to the yeah. manufacturer site and it, it addresses this too. Um, so you can't even get to like the middle of the buoy with, uh, you know, something and, and cut the string of buoys because there are these radial razor blades too. Cool. So the state will be deploying it in thousand foot strips. And Jen and I did a little uh, podcast on this, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago when we first saw these signs appearing on the river and they were super strange. It was Memorial Day weekend, I believe. And they were numbered and they said like RGV for Rio Grande Valley, RGV 191, 192, 193. We thought, are these mile markers like we have on the freeway? But they weren't at any particular distance. And they were put at various spots that appeared as though they could be areas where migrants cross they can also be the paths where the cows and the horses come down to drink jen's been on the river with us she's observed that um at various uh platforms on the river where water pump stations are for farmers and uh, irrigation districts and such so we saw these signs the rgv 191 is facing the river facing Mexico. Uh, yeah. The backside of it is a caution, danger, risk of drowning sign in English and in Spanish, but it is facing the United States on the bank of the Rio Grande River in the United States. So it's in no way a caution to anyone who might be approaching the river. And we thought, why are they suddenly putting up these signs? Because, you know, forever. People have been crossing the river and Border Patrol is on the boats there, uh, Texas DPS, the Coast Guard, the U.S. Coast Guard, now game wardens, now Florida Highway Patrol and Florida Fish and Game and all these. I mean, it is everybody's floating the river now, not for recreation, but hunting migrants. And um, so then we thought, well, maybe these are so that when these out-of-state interlopers and at times even the militia who show up to help them could easily communicate with the authorities. Say I'm at marker number 191 or whatever. Then it was just a few days after that that the announcement of this floating border buoy barrier came up. And I my guess is the markers will be used to uh, determine where those are deployed, where they get moved, and that sort of thing, so that then they can be accounted for. Right. So are they proposing the entirety of the river be covered by this thing, or are they going to move segments of it to areas where they think it's a high traffic area? They're going to begin in Eagle Pass, where four yeah. people drowned just this weekend. Uh, but then, according to uh, Steve McGraw, who's head of Texas DPS, it sounds like they will be putting them all along the river 
in areas they believe are high traffic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus Christ, it is the, the darkest thing. And yeah, Eagle, Eagle Pass is where all those people died in the uh, in the un- unair conditioned trailer, like I think two years ago. Right? Was that Eagle Pass? Those kind of trailer horrors have happened near yeah. us in Fal Furious in San Antonio. Um, unfortunately, yeah. they happen throughout the border region. Mm-hmm. And there are so many ports of entry, land ports of entry along the Texas-Mexico border because Texas is, I mean, Mexico is our number one trading partner with the U.S. Mm-hmm. And we have NAFTA, which established the North American Free Trade Zone. So if you have a television or a refrigerator or you drive a car in the United States today, chances are those pieces and parts are manufactured in Mexico, in the free trade zone, and then they get brought over by truck. Same thing with so much of our produce. So the amount of that trailer traffic is enormous, and those trailers are used for human smuggling at much higher numbers, we should note, than the river area. Yeah. Same same as uh, for uh, narcotics trafficking. Those things are coming across by the truckload and uh, in shipping vessels, not in small bundles across the Rio Grande River. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think most. I think most narcotics enter the country through ports of entry rather than between ports of entry. Even Jen's nodding. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. Especially the 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 narcotics that are very expensive. Even when I was an agent in the mid '90s, I used to say, "Why do we only get marijuana?" And and the agents would say, well, because cocaine's too expensive to put on somebody's back and hike it through the mountains yeah, or across exactly. a river or in the <laughs> desert. So yeah, okay. it's just easier to buy off a CBP agent or a Border Patrol agent and just get waved on through. Yeah, they're so, not like dumb. Otherwise, like these are <laughs> these are huge money businesses. You're not throwing a half a million dollars of cocaine on some guy's back. Yeah. Right. And risking it floating away in the Rio <laughs> yeah, Grande River. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is valuable merchandise. Like they're they, they're no like no more cavalier with it than like Target is. You know, like right, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, this is part of a sort of larger... I don't know. Abbott does a lot of posturing on the border, right? And that posturing has real consequences for migrants. And it has real consequences for people living on both sides of the border as well, right? Especially, I think, people have listened to our previous coverage of that will be very well aware of that. Perhaps we could sort of characterize this within the context of Operation Lone Star, within the other... Like you've said, right, the other deployments, it's not just even Texas uh, National Guard who are now deployed to the border. So could you give us like an overview of all the ridiculous lapping that's being done? Well, there are 12 or 13 states to date Mm -hmm. that have sent prison guards, their National Guard, Uh, fish and game or wildlife officers and state police to the border. And this is uh, related to, you know, two different campaigns, basically by the Border Patrol Union. Mm -hmm. One is Biden border crisis with that hashtag, which they launched um, in March of 2021. And the other is every state is a border state, which was a battle cry for MAGA politicians during the midterms. And so what we see now are uh, these red states with you know, governors who want to capitalize on looking tough on immigration, uh, sending reinforcements to the border. DeSantis obviously was the first to do that because he's been very vocal about envying Abbott and how Abbott had kind of a leg up on him in any campaign because Abbott got the border and Abbott got to, as you said, posture there and and be, you know, the new sheriff in town and, you know, uh, stepping in where Sleepy Joe is, you know, not performing. But what we see in reality is Brandon Judd, who's the president of the National Border Patrol Council, was stuck to Trump. You know, they were best buddies and, and, you know, basically campaigning together. And then Brandon Judd kind of fell away from Trump when he lost re-election and has become Greg Abbott's best buddy and 
press junket sidekick and helped stage the launch of Operation Lone Star, which, you know, was like a Fourth of July type parade with the tanks and the helicopters and the planes and the boats and the, you know, the ATV agents and the horses, the whole nine yards. And people think, I think most people in the United States believe that Abbott is this renegade doing this all on his own. And what we see as the reality is it is a joint operation between the state government and the federal government, but the feds won't admit to it because of the optics. It's bad enough that Biden continued border wall construction, which most of his supporters opposed. Now he is working hand in glove with Abbott. And when I say our experience, what we see daily and what I have documented is U.S. Border Patrol working with Texas Department of Public Safety troopers and Operation Lone Star, Texas National Guardsmen, literally riding in the same vehicles together, responding to scenes, patrolling together. And at the Butterfly Center, we had National Guard, Texas National Guard, parked on the levee at our property, blocking our access back and forth. And I went and said, hey, guys, you know, um, this is our property and we have to have access to it during regular business hours for, you know, my staff who are working here and our members and visitors who come to explore and enjoy so I need y'all to move. I need you to move your Humvee so we can get back and forth. And I recorded this interaction as I do all. And they said, ma'am, we don't take our orders from you. We take our orders from Border Patrol. And that was a revelation to me when this happened a couple of years ago. So I actually got on the phone with the patrol agent in charge, the highest ranking Border Patrol agent at the McAllen station. Um, and I said, his name is Tony Crane. I said, Tony, you need to come out here and tell these guys to move. They're saying they'll only do it for you and they only take orders from you. And Tony drove out there to the Butterfly Center to the levee and instructed the National Guard to move their vehicle. And they did. And this is something we've seen over and over. And I now have in email commander um, or regional director, rather, uh, of Texas DPS, Victor Escalon, who the rest of the nation may know from the Uvalde tragedy. Yeah. I have email from him where he is invoking the federal statute that DPS claims gives them the authority to ignore our fo Fourth Amendment rights right. and enter private property without warrant as long as they're working with Border Patrol. And they are claiming that they are doing so at the request of the United States Attorney General, according to the federal statute. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, and importantly, the like federal government in any of its aspects isn't saying, no, this isn't true, or like, you know, that they're working, like you say, hand in hand with these. And like, it's not even just a joint 
federal and state operation. Like I know, I think it was South Dakota's deployment, was it, that, that was funded by a wealthy individual? Like the state didn't pay for it. Um, I can't remember which Dakota it was, but yeah, it was funded by a wealthy donor who paid for it. And yeah, so whichever state Christy Noem yeah, is uh, in charge of, yes. And yeah. I believe that also happened in Kentucky or Tennessee. Same thing. Okay. It was a wealthy donor who funded their state National Guard deployment. Yeah. And then perhaps, Jen, you could explain to people why it is so different if they believe they have these um Within 100 miles of the border, and then again within 25 miles of the border, so many of your fundamental rights don't apply. Um, to, could, could you explain how that works and then how, then if the National Guard see themselves as also having the ability to sort of waive the Fourth Amendment, what, what that would mean for the privacy of people living along the border? In the United States Border Patrol Academy, so I, I went through the academy and um, I started in June of 1995. So I can at least testified to that they basically you know i had a four-year in law so i knew a little basics about it and then going to the academy it was really kind of sad because they don't really teach you much of anything they're just like you know your their rights are limited we're allowed within 25 miles of the border by the law to go on anybody's private property and even search their buildings as long as it's not a domicile and that can sometimes be in question um, whether it's being used as a domicile or we consider it as a domicile. And then within 100 miles of any land or sea border, which encompasses two-thirds of the United States population, we can basically stop you and ask you to prove that you're a United States citizen. And and so then they increase that with checkpoints that are a little ways away from the border where they, under the guise of asking for your citizenship, they then get to police um, American citizens or legal residents. And as the years have progressed, Border Patrol keeps trying to push those authorities. In the beginning, you know, we weren't allowed to work with local PD, the local sheriffs. There was a very clear separation a very clear line between Border Patrol and, and local cops, or at least legally on written paper there were supposed to be. And after 9-11, what we end up seeing is the Border Patrol decides to get very heavily invested into surveillance. And it, it's not a coincidence. Former Chief Rodney Scott was in charge of that during that time. And his basic statement was, you know, if, if a car is bombed in Iraq, the Border Patrol needs to know about it. So they considered anything in the world to be important to the Border Patrol. And they wanted the Border Patrol to be the go-to agency in as far as surveillance. So that's why you see them being used in Black Lives Matter protests and things like this. And we saw them a lot in the Trump administration where they were uh, supposedly uh, guarding federal buildings and then went and attacked them. So what you see is the Border Patrol trying to quietly eke into what is typically considered peace officer authority. So they're they're trying to get peace officer authority in Texas through the state legislature. and, And they just keep trying to expand their authority more and more. What I see in Texas specifically is. When you look at the history of immigration, 
when the United States, when we first, you know, when 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 Texas first became a state and all this other stuff, originally the states did their own immigration uh, um, patrolling. And so if you went and you decided you're going to somehow you landed on the coast in Georgia, then you would have to go to an, a Georgian official and pay whatever it is that they required of you and stuff. And so what I see more and more is like Texas is taking back that authority and saying, we're the ones that are going to say this. And so then they can make money off of the deterrence policies and, and all of this other stuff. So it's just a constant expa- expansion of, of the rights of the cops, while at the same time constantly reducing the rights to um, to the people who live here. And even the people that cross here, a lot of people think they, they'll say, you know, that migrants don't have any constitutional rights. Well, that's not true. They have constitutional rights because it says people in the U.S. Constitution. It doesn't say citizens. So um, in, in certain in certain areas, it will say citizens. And then that is, is, is exclusive to United States citizens. But, they're, you know, the the basic rights are afforded to even migrants, but because the migrants don't have much of a voice, the border patrol gets away with with everything, secret teams, cover up teams and all this other stuff. Border patrol agents will just flat out tell you Constitution doesn't exist down here and they never get in trouble for it. So. Yeah, one of one of the things Jen just touched on is uh, Texas DPS getting in on this immigration business is. When Governor Abbott declared that Operation Lone Star would be targeting um, Hispanic males, and in some places they talk about of fighting age. So they're already depicting all of these individuals as like soldiers in some invasion, in a gang war, in, you know, that they're, uh, again, hostile combatants to the United States. Uh, but they were going to charge them all with criminal trespass. So we hear a lot about how awful the cartel is and how much money they take from migrants and then hold them for ransom and how uh, expensive it is to get across. Well, once they get across, the state of Texas becomes the cartel. They arrest them, charge them with criminal trespass, put them in the county jail. It's a $5,000 fine. Then when they're released from state custody, they're immediately handed over to federal detention. And that is generally the for-profit geo group or core civic. And there, my understanding is fines for detention can be $10,000 to $12,000 for your federal detention. And so here we have, it used to be just the, the for-profit federal detention facilities cashing in on our um, criminal immigration policies. And Governor Abbott's like, hey, why aren't we getting a piece of the pie? So that is what Operation Lone Star is really about. It's not about public safety. It's not that all this fentanyl is coming across the Rio Grande River being smuggled by migrants. It's about cha-ching, 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 putting all of them in to the county jail at $5,000 a head. Yeah. 
yeah, and it, it uh, all the while, right? Like he's that I know some of the Texas National Guard people aren't getting the benefits they would normally get if if they'd been mobilized or deployed because it's a state deployment, not a federal deployment, and uh, like as much as Abbott and DeSantis try and paint the border as a dangerous place full of like, I don't know, like drug warlords and cartel violence. And like overwhelmingly the people in that in Lone Star who have died have died because they got drunk and drove because they had an accident with a personally owned firearm because Texas law doesn't yeah. allow them to stop the national guard <laughs> bringing their own weapons. They're, they're not getting into gunfights with Sicarios, right? Like it's not, it's not any, any, uh, anything like no. that. It's the, yeah. the standard problem of taking a bunch of men away from the place they normally live and making them do mind numbing duty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they're, they're doing mind numbing duty in, you know, exasperating heat. It's boring as hell. We see them asleep in vehicles, watching Netflix, doing other things. Um, when National Guard totaled their enterprise rental truck on the gate at the National Butterfly Center, what we found were Bud Light cans sure. on the ground, which we can only assume bounced now- out of the truck bed. When that truck made impact and was destroyed, um, the the local police will not release any public information related to uh, calls and and reports that they have to take of uh, drunken disorderly conduct, noise complaints, property damage, sexual assault, all of these things happening at the hotels where National Guard is staying, but we know from visitors and from uh, property managers and others that this is happening regularly because yeah, they don't have so good bored. leadership and it and it's it's frankly it's like really young kids that are down there. And, and the other yeah. thing that that we need to say too is that the the National Guard that's being posted there. The, the the young National Guard kids are seeing increased rates of suicide. And that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. something that's particular to Border Patrol agents, because when you're an oppressor and you do that kind of work, then you're going to end up your the suicide rates go through the roof as as they are with the Border Patrol. And now you're seeing that with the National Guard. But Mariana's right. There's a lot there's a lot of stuff that that they're suppressing about what these National Guard kids are getting into because they're bored down there. So they're sitting down there in Texas drinking and whooping it up and getting in trouble. But it's all kind of hush hush quiet about that. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. And not only are they bored, but these are, like you said, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds getting paid six thousand dollars a month. Like they have never had this kind of cash before. And what are they going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they're gonna yeah. go buy guns at our local pawn shop. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> they pay the yeah, National they're... Guard that well? That's what they're being paid. And really? um initially their taxes were not being withheld or anything. So uh, they're that unemployment. Was, yeah, that yeah. was a whole nother issue. And then for a while they were trying to unionize uh because mm-hmm. they were not uh getting the benefits of a regular deployment. And the ones who were working in Law enforcement already, um, as police officers, firefighters, paramedics and such, 
they also, while they're on deployment, do not accrue their hours toward their pensions. So they're taking another hit for that. And um, so these were all things that I guess the state didn't really think through when they called all these people up and forced them to come sit on the border and do mind-numbing work for the most part. No, it's just a, yeah. it's a terrible idea, like comprehensive. It's one of those things, if you if you spent any time studying the surge in Iraq and uh, kind of the later <laughs> yeah. part of the Bush years and some of the shit that happened when they just grabbed a bunch of National Guard guys and threw the, like it's a lot of the same shit. It's people who were like finding ways to get alcohol and drugs who were crashing cars who were, because like, yeah, you you were. It, it's just this is this is an inevitable consequence, which is why you shouldn't do something like this unless there's like a dire reason to need to bring the national guard into a situation, like a natural disaster. Yeah, and well, I think. And I, go ahead. I would I would say that they all need house mothers. I mean, like yeah. fraternities have and stuff, because every time I run into one of these young men and they start to like look at me or open their mouth a certain way. Um, I just want to grab them by the ear and be like, uh-uh, <laughs> you know, junior, I'm going to spank yeah, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> whippersnapper. Yeah. yeah. You, are, you are 19. You should not be in this position right now. Uh, yeah, go yeah, home. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Go back to mom. Yeah, we yeah, spoke shut to up a few. Or I'll take your gun from you too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but we spoke to a few of them, uh, like Robert and I, when we were down there, and like one of them was just saying, like he's trying to get some money for college, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're accruing those benefits because if if they're under state orders, they they don't get that. So uh, Greg Abbott's kind of screwing everyone apart from himself and his his little friends, I guess. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. 
The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe to finish up, I know that um, one, I think the only case like I can come across of this happening of someone dying or trying to rescue migrants was a uh, National Guard soldier who tried to uh, rescue some people from the river and drowned from what I understand. And like, obviously this drowning barrier is going to, if Border Patrol are even invested in investing in getting people from the river, which they might not be if they're from the from the Mexican side, if they're still on the Mexican side of the border, right? It, it in theory, would put those people, it, those like uh, National Guard and Border Patrol agents in danger too. Um, mm. So what have Border Patrol to say about the the floating barrier so far they haven't said anything about it so far and there have been a few border patrol agents who've lost their lives jumping into the river as well there have been other migrants who've lost their lives trying to save their children and so forth migrants Mm -hmm. die every day in that river and and um the border patrol is just going to stay quiet about it because they like it it's it's their management who's going along with it and if they didn't like it and if the Biden administration didn't like it, then they would come out and say so, or they would come out and have Chief Gloria Chavez come out and say, no, we're not going to have this. This is going to kill people. This is not right. You know, honor first, blah, 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 which we all know it's bullshit. But the truth is, is they really don't care. They just don't care. And as yeah. as they say in the Border Patrol, and we learn and you all learn, I knew it, but you all learn from the 1015 group on Facebook. They call them floaters and take pictures of them and make fun of it. So the Border Patrol could care less. It's just one less migrant they got to process. Well, and, and, you know, as Jen said, if U.S. Border Patrol was opposed to this new border barrier, they would say something. Well, I think it's even worse than that. In 2018, Trump got border wall funding. And as you mentioned, he had his, you know, commando climb all these border wall prototypes in the desert and all of that. Um, In 2019, he got his second tranche of border wall funding. But 2020 and 2021 were continuing resolutions. So he was getting border wall funding after that, but it was always for existing approved designs. And those are the concrete uh, with the steel bollards. Yeah. So for even though Trump floated the idea of this buoy border barrier, this floating border wall to get congressional approval or U.S. Army Corps of Engineer approval for such a thing would have been an issue. Um, Also, there's the issue of the International Boundary and Water Commission Treaty, which is a binational treaty with Mexico that governs the Rio Grande River, the water that flows in it, the boundaries, who gets to take how much water from it, things that are built and might affect the flow of the river. As Jen mentioned, the international boundary is the middle of the river, no matter where the river is flowing now, because over millions of years, 
it has uh, shifted. The channel has shifted many, many times and greatly. So we know the feds, probably Border Patrol with the Trump administration. So DHS wanted this floating border wall. The easiest way for them to get it is to have Governor Abbott do it. In 2005, the Real ID Act, in that act of legislation, Congress gave the Secretary of Homeland Security the authority to waive every law, local, state, federal, for border barrier. So it doesn't say border wall, it says border barrier. So presumably this buoy border barrier would also be covered. So the feds don't have to worry about something like the National Environmental Policy Act or the Endangered Species Act or the Rivers and Harbors Act in deploying this. But they do not have authority to waive treaties or the constitution. So since uh, at least 2005, the federal government has been uh, trying to devise ways to effectively waive the IBWC treaty. One of the ways in which they have done that is with the We Build the Wall campaign, which, you know, they built border barrier on the international boundary line in Sunland Park, New Mexico, and in Mission, Texas, and the U.S. government settled with them, allowing this illegal structure to stand in violation of the treaty in spite of Mexico's objections, thereby setting a legal precedent effectively waiving the treaty. But now Abbott can do this, and who's going to sue him? The IBWC isn't going to do a damn thing because they have no authority to sue on their own. They have to go to the federal government and ask the Department of Justice to sue on their behalf. And it's the Department of Justice that has already settled with Fisher Industries for the We Build the Wall fraud fence in violation of the treaty. The other issue is Texas doesn't have to abide by NEPA or any equivalent law. And we know that the feds have in the past devised really nasty reach arounds for the law where if they get busted doing something illegal, like having Customs and Border Protection spray imazapir, a broad spectrum herbicide that is a known carcinogen, all over people, animals, and plants on the border. They get sued and, and, and made to stop that. They'll simply pass the money through to the state of Texas and ask them to continue it. And I think this floating buoy border barrier is exactly that kind of thing. The Biden administration can say, we're not doing it, and they don't have to get approval for this design. And they'll just find a way to either pass the money through to Texas or allow Texas to continue to basically fundraise for it by prosecuting immigrants for criminal trespass and finding them to get out of county jail. Yeah, well, that is dark. 
But yeah, I, I think, think it's interesting to point out though that when Governor Ducey of Arizona put up his train car thing, mm-hmm. yeah, Biden, the Biden administration did get involved with that, and yes. they and they were upset about that. But so far, we haven't seen anything about this, and and so we'll see if they deploy it, and the Biden administration stays quiet about it. Yeah, I mean, we're closing in on uh, like November twenty twenty four, and I think Biden really is very sensitive about being seen as, as quote-unquote weak on yep. the border. And like, given the absolute disaster that was the end of Title 42 and the way they handled that, and you know they, they didn't really say anything when Border Patrol was clearly holding people in conditions that are in violation of their own detention uh, standards. Like, I, I, I don't have high hopes for the Biden administration doing it. It's... Here. Yeah, it's interesting because you would think like the whole thing from the union and everybody that is pro border patrol and anti immigrant was like if you end Title Forty Two, then the, then it's just going to overwhelm the border patrol and more yeah. people will come. And we kept saying for a year like, no, that's not going to happen. It's going to be drastically cut, and so it's drastically cut. And I, you would think but, the Biden administration would be like, look what I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but they're not. I mean, like, like they have no clue how to talk about the border and what to do on the border. It's, it's sad. Well, no, and I- it's this double-edged sword of get in line, do it the legal way. So the people who say we're not anti-immigrant, we just want them to do it the legal way and get in line. So Title 42 ends. We've got the CBP-1 app, which gives them a, an appointment so they can stand in line to cross at a legal point of entry, port of entry and do it legally. And now they've got to find a way to thwart that and to mess it up. And and Biden, as you said, is not saying, look at what we did. We've got everybody standing in line doing it the legal way. Yeah, I think they don't want to look at CBP one too hard, given what a disaster it's been and, and how how biased it's been and how bad it continues to be. But yeah, they, yeah for sure. For sure. They've failed to offer any other options and yeah i don't really have any hope that things will not just get worse there seems to be a bipartisan consensus that it's okay to kill lots of people trying to come to our country for help uh, mm-hmm. because it's 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 bad well, if fox news is mean to you jen yeah. has been uh very vocal and produced lots and lots of research and documentation on um how our deterrence policies are designed to kill and um and there are not a whole lot of people using the G word, but Jen has been courageous enough to do it. I was recently told uh, by my employer that I could not use it. And I think it's it's a horror, but Jen can speak to it. We have to do a whole do other it. episode on yeah, that. Yeah, I think we should do <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we will. We're definitely going to keep covering this uh, because it, it's one of the things that just disappears from a lot of national media in between election cycles or in between. Well, and un- you know, unfortunately, pe- it's it's one of the things where kind of the numbers are heading in the wrong direction uh, nationwide because, like the border, like the the right is winning on border stuff right now. The right yeah. is winning on immigration, like. There's some pretty dark polling, like as 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 much as, you know, some of the last couple of elections have been positive in terms of the the pitiful performance of like kind of MAGA Republicans. Like if you if you look at kind of how Americans are polling on border issues and immigration issues, it's it's pretty bleak at the moment. And I, mm-hmm. I don't really 
I don't think anyone has a great clear clue as to like how to reverse that at the moment, which isn't to say that it can't be reversed. It's just uh, it's uh, it's it's difficult. Well, it's difficult, especially when the Democrats are always ceding the argument to the Republicans. Like they're afraid to make the argument that a robust and humane asylum system uh, that can inspect the people requesting asylum is a national security issue. And you need one. You can't just not have a national. You can't have an asylum, not have an asylum system. You have to have it's an essential part to the national security infrastructure. So people that argue that we shouldn't have an asylum system because it's a threat to national security or, or completely ignorant about what they're talking about. And, and so they have to start framing it as, as a national security issue, you know, one where we can have people come and be inspected and so forth. And then the people who are the nefarious people, yeah, they're going to go in between the ports of entry, fine, arrest those people, but let's have a humane system otherwise. So. It's also fundamental to the success of our economy. And with, you know, the U.S. birth rate is declining and without a robust, safe, timely immigration system, ideally one that allows people to go back and forth. Because what what I hear from people here is, I miss my country. I want to return to my country. I want to come here to see my family, to work for a season or for a spell, to send money home. But then I want to be able to return. And our current system, it's too deadly to allow them to make it through and then go back and attempt to do that a second time. Another issue related to the narrative and and red winning on immigration is we found at the Butterfly Center that when Biden continued building border wall and we said, oh, my gosh, you know, this is what's happening. And we posted photos and video and everything of it. Um, People who had supported us, Democrats, liberals with a capital L who had supported us said, you're lying or That's just they're continuing Trump's. uh, They had to. And then when we contradicted every one of those arguments with facts, um, then they said, oh, well, if if Biden's doing it, then there must be a good reason. And, you know, the U.S. can't accept everybody. And, you know, you get this walking back of all of the uh, the things that that they were saying when Trump was president about um, being humane, about needing an effective system, about creative solutions and all of this. And now it's suddenly, well, you know, we can't let everybody in. and And so I have honestly found and I'm going to take a lot of flack for this, but there's basically no difference between a moderate Republican and a liberal capital L. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Certainly, uh, like Trump had months of Title 42, Biden had years of it. Like it's, uh, it's yeah, certainly. Clear. I mean, it, it's it's I think pretty much impossible to argue with that, at least on the uh, on a broad scale. Like if you're just kind of like looking at at national trends. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's ample support for that argument. 
Yeah, Biden. I mean, uh, Obama yeah. deported more people than anyone. Absolutely. Yeah, massive number. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that happy note. Yeah. Cool. What if, where can people find out more terrible stuff about the border? Is, is there a podcast they can listen to? <laughs> we do have a podcast, uh, Border Patrol Watch. Mariana and I have kind of started it just to talk about a lot of these issues that we feel are being left out. And um, it's on YouTube. We also have a TikTok uh, account and Twitter for the moment. We'll see how that goes. Um, and, and Facebook and Facebook and Instagram, and there is yeah. BorderPatrolWatch.com. Yeah. And that list, uh, there's a page on there for all the agents arrested for rape and pedophilia. Uh, there's a corruption page. There's a page on uh, how they try and indoctrinate the youth down here on the borderlands and so forth. So, yeah, I'm all about that jazz. Yeah, that's hashtag on a first. And um, so... Where can people, it's all Border Patrol Watch. How about you two? Do you guys have individual accounts? Where can they find you? Jen is is doing most of this, mm-hmm. and I believe it's under the Border Patrol Watch banner. Okay. Yeah, it because, is. Because, um, you know, both of us uh, found ourselves targeted or throttled or um, being, you know, really uh, suppressed by Twitter <laughs> and uh, Facebook and Lost my 40,000 followers. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Border Patrol Watch is great. You had a great thread on uh, agents who are facing charges for sexual assault. And that's a very small minority of agents who have done sexual assaults, certainly. Uh, but yeah, there's some really good information for people on there. Yeah. But yeah. Those are just the ones who are being prosecuted yes. or have been yeah. convicted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most of them sadly have not. And even the ones who have, it took too long and uh, was far too convoluted. We can, yeah, we can uh, talk again on that happy topic another day. But thank you so much for giving us some of your afternoon, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys, for all you do and for getting the word out. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com coolzonemedia.com/slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.